Welcome to the I Am Winter Solstice Symposium and Fire Tenders Gathering. We are happy you are here. Please find the full schedule at IamSymposium.com. Hello and welcome back to the I Am Winter Solstice Symposium and Fire Tenders Gathering. Uh, my name is Renee Barabo, the Practical Shaman, and today I am here with a very special guest, actually somebody who I met many years ago in the desert, who was a very good friend of somebody who was very close to me. And so welcome, Marsha Scarborough. Well, thank you. I'm really thrilled to be participating in this powerful symposium. And I want to send love to all those fire tenders who are holding vigil for us. Awesome. Let me just give a little bit of uh, Marsha's background so you, so you know who she is. Uh, Marcia Scarborough is the author of Honey in the River, Shadow Sex and West African Spirituality, is a freelance journalist who has sold over 100 articles published in national magazines. Honey in the River has been awarded first place in the 2016 New Mexico Press Women's Communication Contest Award and honorable mention in the 2016 National Federation of Press Women's Professional Communication Contest. It was also named a finalist in the U.S. Best Book Awards and the New Mexico Book Awards. Uh, Marsha's first book, Medicine Dance, One Woman's Healing Journey into the World of Native American Sweat Lodges, Drumming, Meditations, and Dance Fast, published by Q Books, John Hunt Publishing, was named first runner-up for the 2009 Zia Award by New Mexico Press Women, as well as finalists in the U.S. Book News National 2007 and 2008 Best Book Awards. Wow. Uh, she has spent 17 years scheduling, planning, and running the sets of major feature films, primetime television series, as an assistant director in Hollywood. Well, she, there's so many things. I'm going to let her get into a lot of that because I'm sure you're going to really find out who Marcia is in this conversation. And first of all, I'm fascinated about how we get from the the lodges and dances of New Mexico to the Ifa spirituality in, in Africa. Well, I've always been interested in indigenous spirituality, and I was studying with the Native American medicine man in New Mexico, or actually in Los Angeles originally. And um, I, through that, I became aware that you know, separating indigenous people from their spiritual traditions is a good way to control them. Uh, and around that time, there was the Los Angeles riots, the Rodney King riots. And so um, the, what's now Black Lives Matter, uh, consciousness was on our minds then. And I started thinking, well, certainly African people must have had an indigenous spirituality that they have been separated from. And I wonder what it was and if it could be reconnected. And then shortly after that, a West African shaman crossed my path and I started studying with him and found it absolutely fascinating and actually quite related to the Native American spirituality. Please, let's continue. How, how did you, what was the relationship? What were the differences? Well, they both work with a, a healing technology that involves drumming, dancing, and chanting. And um, we know from quantum physics that we are made up of vibration. My Native American teacher would say we are composed as music is composed. We know from science that we are just electrons moving around a nucleus in a more faster, slower, more or less dense way. 
So basically, we are vibration. And when our vibration falls out of harmony, then um, we have disease. So to bring it back into harmony, the ancient low technology is to use other sacred healing vibrations to bring us back. And those are the drumming traditions, the dance of repetitive motion, uh, the chants that bring our vibrations back into alignment, into health and happiness and prosperity. In the African tradition, there's also an overlay of a mythology um, that um, works with archetypes, um, different archetypal energies reflected within us and in nature. And this is quite similar to Jung and Jung, uh, Carl Jung's ideas of archetypes. So it's a very sophisticated um, psychological technology in this sort of um, guise of mythology. Hmm. Well, it's funny. I'm I'm the Hay House author of Winds of Spirit, and we are going to talk about one of those overlaying uh, winds that have intersected with us today. And to say that um, we started to work with the winds in the the uh, oh, the. I'm not, Tyler cut this. <laughs> that we've started to work with uh, the. What was the word you just used? I t I'm totally, I just totally lost it. So it's not important. All right, let's get back. The, in the, in Winds of Spirit, there is a, an African wind. In fact, in Africa, there was many, many, many winds, but there was one that over, overlaid with, with Marsha's work. And you said that, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So in, within this African tradition, there are these Orishas. So the tradition um, believes that there's really one great uh, creative force over everything. That's Oludumare. And Oludumare is not like a god, but it is the intelligent energy of creation mm -hmm. that's overarching everything. And then these Orishas are like intermediaries between humans and Oludumare. And maybe we would say they're sort of like saints. I mean, they were people in the distant past who ascended to divinity after their deaths, but they're a bit more complicated because they're also the forces of nature mm. at the same time. So the river, the fresh water is Oshun, who was a beautiful woman in, the, in Africa many, many thousands of years ago. Um, but she is also at the same time, the river. And there's over 400 of these Orishas and besides being in nature and in mythology, they are all inside us. So we all have access to all these different energies, uh, archetypal energies, and the ceremonies, the dances, the traditions are to help us get in touch with them, to use them as life requires us to have different energies to deal with life and to balance them so that we can have a healthy, happy, abundant life. And each Orisha has its own rhythm, its own song, its own dance, its own color, uh, its own favorite offerings uh, that, that you make to them to uh, invoke them and to invoke their energy in you. So it's a whole, a whole pantheon of this. And Oya is a feminine spirit. She is the wind. She's also the tornado and uh, the, the hurricane, the whirlwind. She is the archetype of 
feminine leadership, feminine fury, and the truth. So when we're accessing her, you know, she can be gentle, um, a, a wise, very feminine leader. She can also be absolutely fierce as the hurricane. She carries a sword so she can cut through the bullshit and get to the truth. So this is the, the energy we invoke with her. Now her uh, favorite color is maroon or the dark burgundy reds or even into the brownish reds um and her favorite offerings i made a little altar for her here mm. um are um red wine and eggplant eggplant is her color mm. um so we, we set these out for her to welcome her um, we have some flowers in her color so we're gonna try to get in touch with her now, for the fire tenders, an interesting thing for you to keep in mind is that her ex-husband in this mythological soap opera is fire, Shango, uh, the Orisha of fire, thunder, and lightning, and Oya were married. Um, she always told him where to throw the thunderbolts. So we know that we can't have fire without air, right? Those can't have... Uh, the, the heat without the air there. But they uh, they got divorced because he fell in love with Oshun, the fresh water, the sexy, uh, actually Oya's sister, um, and um, left Oya for Oshun. So Oya's always been a little bit pissed off about that. Huh. But Shango still, even though he's with Oshun, he can't get along without Oya because without her, he doesn't know where to throw the thunderbolts. So they, they still have a somewhat prickly relationship, but it is a relationship. So, and Shango's uh, archetypal energy is, is masculine sexuality and justice. He was a king who was very um, concerned about being a just king and Oya was his queen. Hmm. And she was more concerned with, with women in commerce and and what you did say about that, that truth aspect was that if your business is out of integrity, ladies, Oya will come through and, and she can burn it to the ground. And really, and at this time that we're in, and, and we're going to talk about that, that this integrity piece is the part that is really important in this day and age, is really how to be true to yourself, how to understand this archetypical energy as forces of nature. For years, I think, and you might agree with me, Marcia, people were looking, uh, you know, looking to these archetypes as something related to some other kind of story. But if you really take them back, and it seems like you're back there in Africa at the root of things, that we really get back to they're all based in nature. You know, that's exactly. what my work is. That's what your work is. I think that's what the indigenous people have been trying to get us, point us to for, you know, decades. And she is the sort of queen of the marketplace and women who are often the ones in the marketplace selling the vegetables and such have a close relationship with her in that sense. But also because she is also the breath as well as the wind. She lives in the cemetery and she helps people cross over at the time of death. So she also has a close relationship with death. Absolutely. And well, in, in, in my work, Winds of Spirit, it, all the wind is the breath that's how that's how we're all connected that's it's the that's that 
the breath of creation is the wind. At the time of creation, without the wind, we would be still a flat pancake. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, this is really wonderful. And and so, um, what were the similarities between uh, West Africa and um, Santa Fe? Uh, well, the the use of drumming, uh, chanting, uh, dancing as your healing modalities mainly. But also, there's uh, people from West Africa in Santa Fe. It's quite similar. Um, the high desert, as I think, is quite similar to the deserts of Nigeria, and uh, they feel at home there. And then also the architecture, the adobe architecture, there's that in Africa also, the working with mud um, to build your homes. So, I mean, I, I think there is some very close relationships there. That makes sense. Anything major differences you notice between the, the medicine in, in Africa as opposed to the medicine in the Americas? Well, I think that the mythology in Africa is much more uh, complicated and sophisticated um, than in North America. Um, and also the rhythms are much more complicated in Africa. You have the polyrhythms where there are various rhythms that cross each other and um, like that. And the Native American rhythms tend to be quite straightforward mm -hmm. uh, in their uh, binary beat. Yeah heartbeat and then Africa you're getting into all kinds of really crisscrossing rhythms which turned out because so many African people were taken as slaves to Latin America they turned out to be the basis of Cuban and Brazilian and all those other Latin rhythms come out of African rhythm. As you're saying that I can feel like the Brazilian beat going on and in, <laughs> in, in, in your um, journey work have you noticed that the the more complicated uh, crossing over of rhythms uh, takes you other places or uh, now I'm, I'm moving into the realm of curiosity of this? Yeah, um, I think that the the African rhythms that are more complicated also bring up a lot more sexual energy. Mm. I think the Native American rhythms put you in a really deep meditation in a really deep trance. You're also in a trance, of course, for the African things, but I think there's a lot more sexual energy moving around. And some of the Orishas are specifically related to that, like Shango and Oshun. And you say sexual, but I mean, isn't that really creation energy? Absolutely. I mean, that's our creative life force right there. <laughs> we, we don't exist without it. And, you know, I, I think especially if you're living in a difficult situations, you need to really get that up and get that going. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that that life force energy is certainly what's really needed at this time right now. I mean, we're at a how did you learn like we're at this doorway of change? And, and I know in a lot of traditions like um, the Caro in Peru, they talked about the, you know, upturning of the world. And in the Maya, of course, it was the end of the, you know, the calendar. What what was the African uh, lore about this? this time that we're period we're in well you know what i really don't know i think that for them everything is cyclical uh and complex and this is one of the things that attracts me to the the practice i think is because it's it's not saying there's easy black white right wrong good bad uh there's a lot of complexity in us and it, it honors that 
Uh, one thing that's important in the African tradition is the trickster archetype, Eshu, um, who is, he lives behind our head and he pushes us into making mistakes and self-sabotaging. And so the first part of every ceremony is to call him out in front so we can see him and honor him. And then he becomes the messenger to all the other Arishas. So I think this idea of honoring what is basically our shadow, the parts of ourselves that we are ashamed of, we don't like, we hide, putting it out front and saying this, this is the key between you and all the other divine energies. Um, so I think to me, that was like a really important thing to keep in mind. And so I think this is um, a shadow time, this, this doorway also, and where we need to look at all the shadow that we have, which is really coming into light now with our uh, politicians, our racism, our homophobia, you know, all these, these things. We need to really look at that and honor it, put it in front of us, uh, not hide it. And I think that's what this I Am Symposium is about. It's about taking those institutional shadows that we're looking at right now and putting them in the circle with with all of this light around it so that it can start to transform. Because I'm sure, Marsha, you and I probably agree that it's grace that does the transformation, that we, you know, we can show up and do the work over and over and over again, allowing the space for grace to enter. In fact, I think we're going to do a little bit of a, a moving out of our own way ceremony here with you. Is this a good time to do that or... Does it need a little? Sure, we can we can do that. So uh, need... yeah, and the other other thing I mean, and this is where the Native American tradition overlaps, is about movement. Mm -hmm. That really life is movement, and we're moving through a an initiation, a passage, and we just want to keep energy moving so that we're moving forward. We're open to change. We're allowing all of our atoms, our molecules, our electrons. Uh, to transform through movement because we are vibration and movement basically. So, well, great. And when after that, we'll we'll talk a little bit about your book. But let's do let's do an experiential piece that you've created because there's no better than to hop in and and really experience what what the and, to, and the mind likes to tell us all of the details. But when you actually experience ceremony at that um that level of feeling it then you really get the taste of oh this is what she's talking about so we're going to play some music that is uh, oya's one of oya's songs and rhythms this is called oya mapame and um this is uh, two yoruba master drummers my teacher oba and i akim ayaniyi uh, it's a call and response song, so you can sing the response, and I encourage you to dance. Um, Oya's um, dances are often circular. We're keeping movie, uh, energy moving in a circular way because she's a whirlwind. It doesn't have to be fast. It doesn't have to be consistent like the Sufi dancing. Follow your own intuition. Move as you want to move. Um, the lyrics, the translation of the lyrics means... Um, when the wind blows, if something needs to break, let it break. Mm. If the wind blows, if something needs to tear, let it tear. Just don't kill me. 
<laughs> so that. this is how we're um, we're breaking old patterns. We're letting them break if they need to break. Uh, if there are things we need to release, we're, we're letting them be torn away and blown away. And then expressing these feelings in the safe space of the dance floor with the rhythm means that we don't have to hurt ourselves or anybody else in this process. Right? We're in a safe process of breaking patterns and releasing things. So here we, here we go. Uh, um, let's, let's dance it.
Wow, that was great. What a wonderful way to start. And it's um, fun, too. And I think that was a big attraction. Yes, what, um, exactly. You know, for years we were like, oh, spirituality had to be so serious. And, 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 and I, I loved what Dr. Stroud used to say, enlightenment, enlighten up. It was like, enlighten up everyone. We, you know, the only way we're going to get through this uh, pachacuti, this turning over the world, is to laugh and to connect with other people. And I really truly believe that. So why don't you? And I'll say this for the Africans and the African shamans: they love to party. Ah. I mean, they they go on all night. You know, they'll do all the orishas and all these different rhythms, and you're just dancing and dancing and dancing, and it really, you know, shakes it up. <laughs> really, we're the, well. This is kind of what we're going to dance for the next uh, 13 days together. So keep dancing with us. Marcia, tell us about your book. Where can people get it? Um, you know, where, tell us, about, because it was published a couple years ago and then we walked into COVID. So it's time to get that book out there. Yeah, so it's on, it's on Amazon, uh, Honey in the River. Um, it's, uh, uh, one thing that I think makes it really interesting is it has this soundtrack, right? So as I tell the story, and it's, it's a narrative story really of, meeting this, uh, this shaman and then how getting involved and then it turns into a super dysfunctional love affair. And then it's, you know, all these different chapters where the love affair is mirroring the mythology of Shango and Oya and Oshun and, uh, you know, quite interesting going, the story's going on in two different levels. Um, but everywhere in there, there where I describe one of these rhythms uh, if I have a recording of it, it has a footnote. And then these recordings are all on Spotify and Amazon Music and Apple Music and, and all that. So uh, you can buy the book and then listen to the rhythms that I'm uh, talking about and dance them in your house. So. Sounds juicy. It sounds juicy at multiple, many levels. I can't wait to, <laughs> I can't wait to dance out this with you. This sounds like a, what a way of moving through a love affair through the, through the, through the beat, through the rhythms, through the, through the, the archetypes, all different levels. That sounds fascinating. And, uh, and for the fire keepers, uh, Shango, uh, Arusha of fire, is really associated with healing because um, they say healing starts as a little spark and you have to fan the flames right, mm -hmm. to get it going into this raging fire of healing. So there's one uh, specific song, Shango song in there, um, that it, the song actually says that, that the, um, the it's, healing starts as a spark, we fan the flames and then you can hear in the drumming, like the fire's raging, raging, raging. And then it stops and there's a change of rhythm, which is I'm alive and well, are the words to that. So um, it like takes you through the whole healing process to being alive and well. So that's great. Uh, a lot of our fire tenders actually come back two or three years later and tell us that that was the spark. Holding fire for 14 days for other people and for a community, you know, with no, no really intention of why that's it's going to change them and it always does oh i'm i'm hopeful that you'll give us the link to that uh for the fire tenders a special 
a special treat for the fire tenders, those people who are keeping the fire. I'd love to share that with that special group. Okay. If you'd let me do that, that would be really uh, wonderful. Absolutely, sure. Uh, we're pre-recording this, but this is going to be one of the first first um, messages people are going to hear. Okay, great, great. Uh, so, Marsha, is there one last thought you'd like to leave our community with? Well, I think that it's important to understand that this practice that's so ancient, you know, thousands of years old, is really relevant today in the balancing of our archetypes, in the moving of the energy. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's like Jungian psychology, but much older and much tri more tried in the world. And I, I think that people have been afraid of this because it got demonized as a type of voodoo. Um, and I think that was a pejorative misnomer that came from slave owners being afraid of the slaves having power because mm -hmm. when this is going on, it's very powerful. And like in Cuba, the drums were outlawed because it's too powerful. You know, so this is a way of reconnecting with power, whether you're African-American, African descent or not. And um, that my teachers made it very clear that race has nothing to do with this. This is really for everyone. And it's a way to connect with your power and carefully use your power and have a lot of skill with using your power. And you can see how that would be scary to people who are trying to control other people. So I, we need to let go of the idea that this is any kind of voodoo or black magic. And the, my teacher was always very clear that there's no magic involved here. This is a focused spiritual practice. You're taking spiritual energies, and this is a way of really laser focusing them to use them. And, um, you know, it's, it's all good. And I think we need to uh, be open to understanding it and embracing it. Well, thank you so much, Marsha, for being here with us. And for those of you who are listening, the links to her website are in the in the the context of your emails and in the uh, of the posts. So look for her, and she offers programs, I believe, and she's been a teacher for many many years. And clearly, from this lecture, you can see what a great teacher she is, and what a bubbly, wonderful personality you have, and what a dancer you are. I mean, all these things. <laughs> and this is the other thing. We need to dance every day, <laughs> all of us. <laughs> That's really funny. I'm doing a, a cookie exchange, and somebody sent me this video song on who knew cookies. <laughs> like, dancing and dancing. So, yes, let's all keep dancing. Let's make a pact for our fire tenders to let's dance every day around our flame. Oh, I love that, Marsha. Thank you so much. Okay, and then I'll, I'll give you the link. That can be the gift to the fire keepers. And that particular song is meant to be danced around the fire. So Absolutely. And so fire tenders, you're going to get something extra special. And if you haven't signed up yet and you just found us here, go over to the IamSymposium.com. This is our 10th annual celebration. We are going to keep the light on again. We're, we're, we, are, we, we have the power Magic is your inalienable human right. Remember that. Thank you. Focused spiritual practice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Renee. It's such a pleasure. Thank you, Marsha.
Welcome to the 10th annual I Am Winter Solstice Symposium and Fire Tenders Gathering. We are excited to offer this container for you to celebrate during these darker days of December from December 20th through January 2nd. We will be having live events every day in the Wind Clan. There will also be a recording available for you if you've given us your email address over at IamSymposium.com. And there's an opportunity to purchase this whole series if you don't think you can be with us live. So again, welcome, and we look forward to being with you throughout.